Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. Damn glad to meet you. I'm joined by my co-host, Park. Hey, he's Charlie, Jump Cuts host, and he's damn glad to meet you. And Will. Uh, I'm a zit. Get it? (laughs) (laughs) That is the worst joke I will ever tell on this show, I promise. I'm proud of you. I'm uh, glad glad you've peaked. Uh, Okay, anyways, this week we watched Animal House, a film set in an ancient time before there were consequences for white men's actions. Uh, So we're not not just going to do... We're not going to pick apart Animal House for being made in the 70s. Are we not? I have my pitchfork right here. (laughs) I'm struggling to light my torch. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about it, but that's not the the only thing we're going to do. Anyways, this was a Park pick, so uh, we'll throw it over to Park for the recap. Sweet. So um, I'm assuming most people have seen or heard of Animal House, but I'll do I'll do a quick little one sentence recap from the IMDb page because it's the classic, classic thing to do. Um, at a 1962 college, Dean Vernon Wormer is determined to expel the entire Delta Tau Chi fraternity, but those troublemakers have other plans for him. And boy, do they have other plans for the Dean. <laughs> And everybody involved in that university. Yeah, basically everyone in the school, in the town, in their general vicinity. (laughs) (laughs) And now, like, before we get into it, like Charlie said, like, I don't want to spend this entire episode just picking apart this movie. Because, yes, it is dated. It is problematic in a lot of ways. Um, But it's also, in its own right, a, a very funny movie. And I'd really like to look at it from... I haven't actually watched this since I went to college. I haven't watched this in a very long time. And I kind of want to look at it from the angle of... You two were both in a fraternity. I was in a fraternity and very quickly got out of it. And just kind of want to like revisit this movie as, an, as a post-college adult. Yeah, it is really fun to watch like any of the fraternity stuff in it and like a weirdly every national land boom lampoon movie is like this where it has like this weird feeling of nostalgia around it uh and this uh i mean this definitely hit home for any of the college stuff for me even though like i mean obviously my experience is nowhere close to this but (laughs) it still manages to make you feel nostalgic even if you didn't actually do anything like this yeah, you know. I think even if you weren't, like, a Greek life person, you probably could feel some kind of nostalgia for this movie. Yeah, also, my Greek life experience is probably a lot different than, like, yeah. the stereotype. Yeah, engineering school in 2013. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the same thing. Very different. Much less racist. Park, yours might have been, from what I remember, uh, yours was, like, a blend of like the first fraternity we see and Delta house. It was sort of like, you know, more like Southern fancy boys, but also like they were uh, shitheads in their own way. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I play, uh, Tennessee, <laughs> um, and they were kind of 
a more laid back fraternity for sure, but still had a lot of the like ceremony and ritual to them. Um, I mean, I bounced around to a lot of different ones rush week because that's kind of what you're supposed to do. But I settled on this one because they were more laid back. But it definitely still had some of the like weird ritualistic things to it that. You know, looking, you're in college, you're like, yeah, bonding with my buddies. And you look back and as an adult, and you're like, that's a cult. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird, all the rituals. So I wish the ritual stuff at my fraternity was just what Delta House did. Just like a 15-minute meeting where a guy wears a dumb outfit and is like, uh, welcome to the fraternity, and you get a nickname, and go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, we, honestly, my very first day as a pledge was very similar to that. Not in the sense that somebody was dressed in a, you know, Indian headdress. That that did not happen. Um, but the random assigning of names and showering with cheap, shitty beer afterwards did absolutely happen. See, ours was just, like, long and boring. It was so boring all the time. And, like, very, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, like, I don't know, I guess, like, self-aggrandizement going on in with, like, fraternity. They think they're very important when you're in there. And they yes. feel very important when you're in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very funny looking back now, being like, ooh, our secret words and our values as a fraternity when it's like you're you're a group of dudes who have gotten have who have pooled their resources to throw better parties that is your function yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? i feel like everyone would be happier if you just owned up to being like just a little social club i don't know mm-hmm. and delta house d- does that in this movie which makes them very admirable at least in that way <laughs> mm-hmm. i uh i feel like while we're talking nostalgia too, we should mention our own personal history with this film. Oh yeah. If uh, I, I feel like that's a park story if you wanna Yeah. Uh so I don't know if we've mentioned the lake house before on this podcast, but my family has a house in middle of nowhere, Georgia, on what most people would refer to as a pond, but we call it the lake. And we were probably in. It was sixth grade. Were we 100%. sixth grade? I thought we were like in seventh or eighth grade. Maybe seventh, but I'm almost positive it was sixth grade. Because <laughs> I think it was the first time I was there, which was Labor Day, sixth grade. Oh God, maybe it was. Well, that just makes <laughs> this all the worse. But um, it really does. Yeah. So we were. You know, at the lake house, we have this twin bedroom in the back that has some cots in it, too, that, you know, all of us stayed in. There's a little TV with a VHS player in there. Um, But the majority of the movies down at the lake house are Disney movies for my younger sister, my younger cousins, all of them. And an Animal House VHS tape. (laughs) Just on the pile, I guess. It's in a separate pile. It's in a pile with like Titanic and some other more adult shit. But Animal House was in there. And my dad basically set up the VHS player, looked at us and said, tell no one 
and just put on Animal House. <laughs> wow, what an arc on your dad. <laughs> Years later. <laughs> We're rat Telling out. everyone. <laughs> it's telling. only been 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, our first experience with this movie. <laughs> yeah, the perfect age to watch it. I understand. 99% of the jokes went flying over our head. We're yeah, just no sixth graders who saw boobs on the screen and are like, this is a fun movie. <laughs> I remember the movie having very little impact on me. Yeah, life. and that was the extent like of it. it. <laughs> um, I think I've only watched it like once or twice since then yeah, before I, this. Like, <laughs> I. <laughs> Now I'm going to narc on my parents for something funny. I watched this one, maybe two other times. I think I watched it with a girlfriend at some point in like early college. Uh, but I watched it in early high school with my parents. It was their idea. My dad was like, let's watch Animal House. It'll be funny. And my mom was like, Charlie cannot watch Animal House. <laughs> my older sister was there too. And they were like, We'll just tell Charlie when he has to, like, close his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did. We watched Animal House with me being forced to avert my gaze from the titties. Did you close your eyes or did you, like, peek through your fingers? I think I had to, I think I was, like, turned around or something. Also, I mean, I was, you know, I was a little annoying-ass goody two-shoes until I was, well, I mean, I still am, of course. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. you were trying to like find a reflection in like a painting or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not that I recall. I mean, the, that was the thing. It's like I had to pretend like I'd never seen it before. <laughs> so. You're like, man, everyone's like, man, Charlie's pretty chill about not not getting to see Animal House. I thought he'd be, <laughs> thought he'd be angrier about it. Uh, yeah. Good times. I feel like this is this is the movie's place in society now is very much like the sneakily watch it and don't tell your parents when yeah, you're fourteen. It's, it's like a weird VHS you find, and the cover is like drawn. So yeah, it's like ca can, it's caricatures. Yeah, so I could see a kid being like, "Oh, is this like a cartoon?" And then very quickly, <laughs> it's not, and like not getting half the jokes. And then just like, I also distinctly remember when like the age of DVDs became a thing. And I can't, I couldn't tell you what DVD it was, but I want to say it was something that was like kind of targeted towards that middle-ish age group. Like something that's like good for kids and adults find interesting too. I, I was like something like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something like that. And you remember when DVDs had ads before them? Fucking movies yeah. you purchased had ads on them. Hey, Pr yeah. Prime still does that for, like, their yeah, own Yeah, Prime stuff. still does that shit. And so does Hulu sometimes. Yeah. But I can distinctly remember watching, like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and seeing an ad for the, like, DVD remaster of Animal House. <laughs> because I always remember the scene from like the end of the movie where the kids reading a Playboy magazine and the girl in a Playboy bunny suit comes flying through his window and he just says, Thank you, God. Incredible. That's such a good joke. <laughs> so I love that scene. <laughs> I can remember 
sitting there laughing at it and saying like, I want to see that movie. My mom immediately being like, no. (laughs) Because I had no idea what it was. It just looked fun. Oh, man. Yeah, I also, I remember the same ad on, I couldn't tell you what DVD or VHS tape it was on, but I remember the Animal House ad with that joke in it. The preview, I guess they used to call them. Yeah. But it it is like very much a cultural touchstone movie at this point. It has been added to the Library of Congress as a culturally (laughs) significant film. Which is, God, that's so funny. I don't. It really is. Because it's really like, I, I guess to get a little bit into the, like the plot of the movie, it's. There's not much of one. It's more of like a, it's a vibes movie, in my opinion, where, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think this movie is at its best when being like, play. it's like on TV when like the adults and the family are there and people are like moving in and out of the room on like, the, like it's like a holiday or something. And people are catching like one scene or like a couple of scenes in a row they laugh at the jokes, haha, I remember this movie, and then they like go do something else. <laughs> yeah. That's like to me what I think of for like r- really any National Lampoon movie, but like especially Animal House or something. It's like mm. uh, you can drop in and drop out at any time in this movie and still have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's cause... basically a like slaps, excuse me, slapstick comedy sketch compilation. Mm hmm. With a few interconnected plot threads, right? Yeah, it's the like same with like uh, like you said with the other National Lampoon stuff. Like, look at all the vacation movies. Most of the scenes in that movie have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Yeah, <laughs> other than like the one thing driving the plot forward, which is driving to Wally World or Christmas is coming or whatever. Yeah, it's because they're all based on like I know we talked about this briefly beforehand, um, but. National Lampoons was a magazine and all of these movies are based on short stories from the magazine. I think like animal house is based on several short stories from the magazine, all crammed together into this kind of comprehensive storyline. Yeah. I actually didn't know that until like this viewing really. (laughs) There's a manga is always better joke in there somewhere, but I I can't, I can't think of it fast enough. Fucking. (laughs) Manga readers spoiling my <laughs> animal, <laughs> house. <laughs> animal house. That really, it coming from magazine shorts makes it even more yeah. of a, even more of an anime than it already is. It's just from the American comedy Shonen Jump, dude. That's yeah. what National yeah. Lampoon is. The um, according to the authors, though, the three main things that are like based on true incidents they say are the road trip uh the toga party and also the dead horse incident oh my god (laughs) (laughs) which might be one like one of the funniest scenes in the movie might just be that freeze frame on the horse when it has a heart attack I, <laughs> I had to pause the movie because I was crying laughing in my chair. Just the, the instant freeze and then sound of the horse falling over. <laughs> that scene is, man, like it's like the perfect 
Because one thing that I think they nailed with the fraternity there is like all the different types of guys in a fraternity mm-hmm. that holds true to real life. Great uh, collection like, of guy types. Yeah, and and they're all like kind of hyper versions of real life ones. But because in this, you know, they like give him like the blanks to be like, well, we we're not really gonna have him kill the horse. We're just gonna see if like he'd he'd do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. But like, I had like a, there was a brother in my fraternity who would like mess with pledges and tell them like all right to like get my like yes vote for you to get in the fraternity i want you to eat this rock and you'd like present them with a rock and if they like went to grab it at all he'd be like what's wrong with you why would you do that have some self-respect which is a much less traumatic version of the horse thing but i was like oh no i i knew a guy who basically (laughs) did something similar right um and yeah it's i mean they have like the guy with the motorcycle there's always that one dude with like the the cool mode of transportation you have the the like the president who's like just as much of a shithead as everyone else but like is somehow keeping it together (laughs) presents himself better yeah right he's like just a little bit more put more put together than everyone else. Um, I don't know. You got what, the alcoholic who's been in school for nine years. Yeah, it's like what fraternities should be. It's you know, it's you meet the like first, second, and third dumbest people you've ever met in your life <laughs> <laughs> at some point, and also some of your closest friends. <laughs> yeah, and you, you ignore the ritual stuff. Uh, don't haze anyone. Uh, and you just have a good time. <laughs> don't be racist. Don't do sex crimes. Yeah, all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. Just, just stick to the dude's rock parts and you're golden. Don't yeah. send out emails to the entire IFC council oh with date rape instructions. Yeah, that was bad. That wasn't us, to be clear. Yeah. That was our no, that, that was, was that was none of our fraternities, but some, that was a fraternity that at while we were in college. <laughs> that is some yes. yeah, deep Georgia Tech lore right there. <laughs> deep cut. There's a lot of like fucked up shit deep cuts from other places around campus. Hell, I mean, fuck Tennessee had a lot of it. I uh, yeah. I and that's you apply that to every campus, right? Yeah. Like the shitty reputation of of Greek life is is well earned. They come by it honestly. Like yeah, I as someone who like I mostly enjoyed my time in a fraternity, but like I don't think I could like defend it. <laughs> yeah. Like no. as a, as an institution, you know, like I liked my fraternity when I was there, but they change every four years because people graduate, right? So like mm-hmm. who knows what my old fraternity is like now. They could be terrible. They could be like the worst people on campus doing all kinds of awful things. I have no idea. It's true. <laughs> it's they like, got a bigger house. That's the first step towards becoming worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's what no, that's what like kept I feel like that's what kept us when I was there. It kept things pretty positive is that uh, we were the, like the poorest fraternity on campus. <laughs> we had like the cheapest house. So everyone joined. Kept you humble. People, it was people who couldn't afford like the more expensive like fraternities who were always the fraternities that were like doing the worst shit. Yeah. There's a reason ATO is known as AT Blow at a lot of places. Which makes me very sad because my grandfather was the president of ATO at Georgia Tech. Um <laughs> But that was in that was in the forties, so that was a different time. 
they had even more cocaine. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember just you could get a prescription rush, back then. Like, my only exposure to like the other ones being shitty was when we went. We were like walking around with our uh, our other friend who's Indian, and we walk into this one house, and the first thing they do is take us to a room that has a fucking confederate flag on the ceiling we're like we are in the wrong place yeah ka chapter Deuces. at uh, georgia tech is gonna name them because that was messed <laughs> yeah, up that's fair <laughs> ka is the confederate fraternity like that oh. is what they are i think that a lot of chapters have changed in modern times which is good yeah, not all of them <laughs> um, but not all of them the one cool thing that ka had for a long time but they made him stop doing it everywhere is they had a cannon out in front of the house that they would fire off whenever whatever team they were for the school either won a game or scored or something yeah we need more cannons and uh, uh, less, less racism, racism <laughs> is what we're looking <laughs> yes. for in the greek community which, like, you also immediately see that with the Omegas in Animal House. The Omegas are the shitty people who, you know, when they, like, looked at, um, God, I'm just thinking their names as Flounder and Pinto, but uh, Larry <laughs> and um, Kent. Kent, yeah. When they walk into Omega, they, like, immediately get put off to the side with the other quote-unquote rejects, which, like, includes... Any minority. Like, any minority. <laughs> but at the same time, everybody at Delta is also white, and there's also a Confederate flag on a wall in the yeah. room. The movie is, like, more self-aware. I was shocked at how, like, self-aware of the racial aspects of all of this, it seemed. Because, like, the the whole dynamic of the, the, the Otis Knight band... Yeah, so the, they have the, the Otis Knight Band, who's a Which, group of black performers no way, performing no for their No way this party. fraternity could afford them. No yeah, also, way they could get a band that good to play. Look at uh, their house. <laughs> but yeah, they have that band playing for this like group of white kids partying, and then they show up to their club where they're playing a week later, and it's you know the like instant attention of like what the fuck are these people doing here and then like all the jokes they make out of that situation are super racist but like it it was more under it acknowledged the dynamic in a better way than i expected yeah i wouldn't say that every joke is incredibly racist in that scene i'm hyperbolizing a bit but yeah plenty of them are but... plenty of them are definitely but like they're also a very like self-aware sign of the times for the night for night. This movie takes place in 1962. Yeah, when was it yeah. made? When did the actual movie come out? 78. Okay. And like the moment where um, I think it's like the the rush president, whatever his name was, like is leaning up against the bar and it's just like, hey, Otis, my man who's up on stage and he just glares at him like, no, <laughs> yeah. not here. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's actually like, funny we're, as we're shit. We're not friends. You paid me to play a gig. It's like, the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. It does, but yeah, I all that to say, like, I was surprised that it, it acknowledges, like, the inherent systemic racism of the institution. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which surprised me. Yeah. I mean, like, like we said at the beginning of this, like, 
I, we're not going to spend this whole time harping on the problems of this film because there are a lot of them, but that is definitely one of them that I even actually forgot about. I forgot about the whole jazz club scene. I forgot about that Yeah, scene. everyone um, forgets about that scene. No one wants to remember that scene. <laughs> oh. The one everybody remembers is the the one with the mayor's daughter, which is equally terrible in an entirely different way. But he, I mean, I, well, I guess he takes her home, but the, the end is... Yeah, you don't realize really how terrible it, it is until the end. Like, that's the thing. Uh, yeah. Um, just to kind of put some context to this, uh, Larry, also played by um, Amadeus. <laughs> you know, the Amadeus I guy. I didn't put that together. Yeah. He, uh, he meets this girl at the grocery store and invites her to the toga party. And come to find out, not only is she the mayor's daughter who gets very drunk and he pushes her home in a shopping cart. Um, at the end of the film, you discover she's 13. Which his reaction yeah. to that is appropriate and that he yes. uh, runs away. <laughs> he gets out of there. I think, uh, right? I don't, exactly I don't know. Like, it just, it, it just like, cuts like, away. They, like, they show up at the end of the movie to her dad and she's like we have to get married now oh my god well no yeah. I, well i thought he he seemed to be like unhappy he was dragged to that location i uh, yeah maybe i misunderstood I, like what the implication i don't was think there. they I, I implied that they had sex i don't yeah, think i think the implication the was he said no okay. and she's saying we have to get married so they can or something uh, okay i like and, that version better yeah. But then he, she also goes on to say, this is Larry. He's the one who molested molested me like three weeks ago or something. She did also <laughs> say that. <laughs> Which, I mean, technically he did. Yes, a college student making out with a 13-year-old is 100% molesting that 13-year-old. That is. Uh, our streak of no-sex crime movies is finally over. Yep. <laughs> R.I.P. Back into it. 2022. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, all of that to also say problematic fave. This is just, if you want to, I don't know, dude, if you want to talk about any movie that was made before, like, last year. <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong, horribly wrong with it. Especially a comedy movie made in the 70s. There are going to be some very, very bad jokes in it. Yeah. It is it is funny how quickly stuff like that can change on you. Like I I I remember a lot of very conflicted Brooklyn Nine Nine fans when uh, oh yeah the like BLM protests were really flaring up. People being like, "Well, I don't like the police, but I watched this <laughs> sitcom about how lovable and you know it's like parks and rec with cops what do i do um, <laughs> and it's yeah. like i don't know you gotta figure that out for yourself buddy <laughs> that's the problem with all of those shows that michael sure keeps making is like they start out as about how stupid the government is or about how stupid cops are and then you end up loving the characters like a, look at these lovable characters we have assembled like well you have defeated the point but it's still funny, so I don't really care. <laughs> That's one thing uh, I appreciate about, and granted, I haven't seen any like new seasons of It's Always Sunny, but they remain irredeemable the entire time. Oh, yeah. They get worse as people as they go. Yes, <laughs> just uh, so much worse. Yes. The new season 
the first episode is them justifying their PPP loans from the stimulus that they stole. <laughs> it's great. I didn't realize they were tackling. Uh, you're, they're tackling the news, you know, straight to that, straight from the headlines. Yeah. It's always it's supposed to be like post-COVID season, basically. Oh but yeah, some woman in Georgia just went to jail for illegally getting six million dollars in PPP loans. Stay classy, Georgia. <laughs> uh, Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways, this movie is very funny. <laughs> It is good. I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how the comedy works in it. And I'd yeah. already talked about uh, how you can kind of drop in, drop out if you want to. Uh, even though I feel like it kept my attention the whole time. I wasn't like wanting to leave and go, <laughs> go do something else or anything. But it felt mm-hmm. to me a lot like if they took like if you took like an SNL sketch and you took the two best jokes from like each concept they have and made like a whole movie about it like that mm-hmm. or made a whole movie of those different sketches. And a lot of times they'd like kind of weave in two things at once. So you talked about like the, the grocery store scene where he like meets the <laughs> the 13 year old. But before all that, there's two things happening at once and both of them are very funny. Uh, Cause first they have, making the pledge like steal a bunch of steaks or something right which is like like stuffing his pants and like shirt full of them and having him sneak out of the a grocery store hilarious right uh and then there's this other conversation happening between like the like womanizer uh fraternity brother and uh the a woman who is much older than him and he discovers is the wife of the dean right yes yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um and i'm gonna wait for this siren to go by we're gonna <laughs> cut it <laughs> and so he's having the conversation with the dean's wife and like that's the first joke right and it's like oh that's the wife of the dean that he's hitting on and then uh like they cut away and you think the conversation's over you think he's like would give up from there and they cut back to him like meeting the girl at the checkout counter then they cut back and he's still flirting with her even harder <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> like it's just so like unexpected and like it's like sort of working and like she remains a character for the rest of the movie and it like they got like two jokes out of that idea and they moved on, which is a thing that SNL really needs to learn. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, but yeah, but like, you see, like, they kind of follow that like method of like, we'll have like a little A plot and a B plot for like our little scene that's going to last like 10 minutes. We get like two or three jokes out of each thing and then we move on to the next scene, right? Like, yeah. it's snappy. Nothing ever drags on. Like, it's uh, just. Uh, super like well like built <laughs> comedy movie right and, well and like what makes that scene so golden is not just like the unexpectedness of him continuing the flirt it's the reason he continues the flirt is like so the the whole setup of the joke if you haven't seen this is he walks up to this woman and just says mine's bigger as she's looking at cucumbers <laughs> and he's like yeah no my cucumber and he's just holding what is like is bigger than that one and when he realizes it's the dean's wife, it's like he's trying to, okay, let me get out of this conversation. And then she just to me is like, so 
aren't you going to show me your cucumber? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh my God, they're still talking. And she's like down. (laughs) She's the one who like keeps it going. And that's like. (laughs) She drives up to the house later. (laughs) Just absolutely hammered. True. A lot of drunk driving in this one. So much. True to the time. Have you guys watched I Think You Should Leave? I've not. On Netflix. So, Will, you're talking about them getting their two jokes and moving on. Maybe think of this show because it's Tim Robinson, I think is the guy's name. I should know this. But he used to be an SNL writer. Might have been an actor, too. I'm not 100% sure. But he now has this sketch show on Netflix that has gotten a ton of praise in the last few years deservedly because it's very funny and part of what is what works about it is that the episodes are like 12 to 15 minutes and the sketches are really short because they do that like you said they get their you know two cracks at the joke and then it is over they move on to the next one they don't spend they don't waste time trying to like have all of these resolutions and stuff yeah just like squeeze every drop of comedy out of their dumb yeah yeah they they know when to stop better than it feels like modern SNL does a lot of the time. Not to just like pan SNL too much. I sometimes they have good stuff. Still, they just make too. You can't do a show every week for fucking fifty years. It'd be funny. Yeah. Isn't it like an hour it's long impossible. too? Right. I feel like they should really it's like shorten an hour it. and a half, dude. Yeah, just shorten it to like thirty. Give people like 30, 45 minutes. You know. Exactly. Chappelle show was like thirty minutes long, right? Yeah, people love that show (laughs) much better than SNL. But yeah, all all that to say, I've said all that to say like five times this episode already. I apologize. I'm gonna try to stop. But the snappier, shorter sketches, if you will, work really well. This movie feels like a good prototype for how to do that, even in a non-movie form. Yeah, and they even they sort of like build it up where like the climax of the movie they have like three or four different things going on at one time right Mm -hmm. and like god the jokes get really like abstract and kind of stupid near the end but in a way that i really (laughs) love or it felt like like the movie was sort of unraveling with like as it was being written where like they have the (laughs) like that bit with the them redirecting the band into like the corner (laughs) and they just keep walking into the wall (laughs) infinitely and it's like this is Im- it's so dumb it's impossible right like it's the movie has <laughs> gone into like bizarro world at this point but it's it's amazing it's such well, a like you even have like choice. kevin bacon literally getting like cartoon flattened yeah that i was i was gonna mention that that, that scene too it's like what it like there's some like who framed roger rabbit shit going on <laughs> at the end it's also <laughs> kevin bacon's in this movie he's the thank you sir may i please have some more as he's getting spanked in the ass by a wooden paddle which i completely yeah. forgot he's that guy <laughs> I, I like, didn't even notice, oh. I guess, because he's so young. In well, thank you, sir. May I please have another? So <laughs> Assume the position. Thank you, sir. May I have another? But yeah, it's just, it's people that write jokes for magazines trying to write an ending for a movie. So what is it? It's just like 20 different jokes. Yeah. <laughs> no actual ending. It's fine. It's great. Yeah, and they even do the American graffiti thing of just like, 
freezing on a character and explaining like this is what happens to them and i forgot they did that in america Graffiti. yeah because remember the one guy's just like he died in vietnam died and they, in i vietnam. think they make a joke of like that here but it's he got killed by his own soldier his own men yeah like <laughs> by his own this movie men. really is like so similar to american graffiti in so many ways it's kind of amazing <laughs> yeah it's, it, it is like National Lampoon's take on like the American graffiti idea or like once the American graffiti kids go to college, like this is what happens. It's like what it feels like. It came mm-hmm. out five years after American graffiti. So like, yeah, uh, like and I, I think the years for like the settings don't totally line up, but they're pretty close, like within mm-hmm. a decade of each other. Right. Yeah. I think American graffiti is like 58. Yeah. So the American graffiti kids could be the seniors at Animal House, dude. Yeah. No, it, it is 62. American Graffiti is 62. Oh, it is? Yeah, set in oh. Modesto, California in 1962. So it's the same okay, year. Okay. So they'd be yeah, so they graduated the next and pledges, then they yeah. went to college in Pennsylvania for some reason. It makes sense because it feels like such... The world that they build in both movies is such like a... It is like... I mean, we joked about it at the beginning, but like a world without consequence... If you're like a white guy, <laughs> yeah, and like National Lampoon, sort of like, you know, they like nod their head at like that a little bit, but it really feels it's like it's weird watching as I guess we're like all young millennials, uh, watching this and being like, how much of this is real and how much of it is exaggerated? Like, c- how close to like Animal House could one live? in college at this time and still like get away with it right yeah i don't think you could get a 0.0 gpa (laughs) yeah i don't think you could do that or like hit a man with a golf ball and then get him dragged by a horse i think they'd catch you doing that but like i don't know makes me think no cameras i mean i will say this just getting stories from my dad who was at Tulane in the early 70s and was on the rugby team, which he wasn't in a fraternity, but I'll tell you what, the stories from that rugby team, very similar to Delta House. Uh, There's a lot of shit that you could get away with in New Orleans in the (laughs) early 1970s. (laughs) I'm sure. And even I have a family member with a story that is like eerily similar to something that happens in animal house that he tells like every year at like thanksgiving and i'm like is this are you just like remembering animal house (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'm never asking him but like my my dad tells stories about them like the the rugby guys a bunch of them had a house like you know kind of in the garden district area off campus that when they would have parties they would throw soapy water down the center hallway because it was like a shotgun house and it had a straight hallway from the front door out the back door and people would just get bare ass naked and body sled down the soapy hallway out the back door of the house. Yeah, like that. Jeez. And like, <laughs> sounds amazing. It's hilarious, right? But like, and it's something that it, it makes me uh, sad in some way, as much as like now is a better time to live in for a litany of reasons. Uh, the like, how how policed people are in like their behavior and bothers me and it, it it bothers me the most because uh it is mostly people who grew up in 
like, you know, when they were in college, it was uh, Animal House years, right? Uh, people of that generation, boomers mostly, who have, like, built a world where you can't get away with stuff like that anymore, right? It's like, they got to do it as kids, and now kids today don't get to, right? And I think part of that is because we let a bunch of, like, all, like, the nerds from back then be in charge or something. Because, like, your dad sounds like he was, like, cool in college, but he's not, like, making any of the rules, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, all, like, did all the fun people back then just, like, not get in any sort of, like, political power and all the nerds are, like, <laughs> the ones making the rules and they're like, oh, they bullied me, so I'm going to make everyone miserable and, like, you like can't have kegs on campus anymore or, or something like, stupid. I don't know. Dad the movie about... said it. It's the movie said it itself, dude. The people that are making the rules now are the Omega house people. Yeah. Isn't, aren't they Delta Dixon house? Safford. Wait, who, who is Omega? Omega is the, uh, the uptight the fraternity. fraternity. Oh, the, like, yeah. oh yeah. But it was a uh, snotty motherfuckers. It was a, uh, like what, what Blutowski or whoever, who is also like a Senator. That's uh, true. But it's like, I don't know that anyone who like lived anyone who, who who like grew up in this time and like might like look back at might like watch American Graffiti or Animal House like finally and be like, man, I remember when we used to be able to do like fun stuff like that. And it's like uh, maybe I don't know, maybe think about the world you've helped build <laughs> a little bit yeah. than like mm -hmm. why people can't do shit like that anymore you know and like you know it's good yeah. that you can't like be super racist and homophobic without consequence i'm not like trying to say that people should be able to get away with that shit uh but also i feel like you should be able to have a little bit of fun and if you want to like slide naked down the hallway <laughs> maybe you shouldn't get the cops called on you or something i don't know yeah, college is trying to stop underage drinking is a giant waste of time and resources. Yeah, if anything, it makes things more dangerous in many ways. So. It does. Exactly. It, every piece of research says it does. I'm sorry, Park. I, I you off. No, you're fine. Like, I now have to write an essay to get into law school explaining that I got caught drinking on campus as a freshman. That's so funny. <laughs> like, I have to write an essay explaining what I did how I got caught and like what I learned from the incident. And it was basically like, I learned not to drink in my dorm room. <laughs> like, Are you sorry, bitch? How dare that's, you? That's kind of the extent. That's kind of the extent of what I learned. But like, I will say this, like my dad got, you know, livid with me over that kind of stuff, which, you know, he's my dad. He's going to do that. But my dad also talks about, about like, you know, at Tulane in the 70s, the university would buy kegs of beer on Fridays and just put them out in the quad. And it was just kegs on the quad every Friday. That was a thing. Or because Tulane's football team sucks to cheer, like all the Tulane football players would go to the rugby games. And so all the rugby players would go to the football games, but they would take a furniture dolly, strap a keg to it and drag it into the stadium with them. They would just yeah. bring a keg into the stands. <laughs> yeah, you would be in handcuffs if you tried that now. Like, it would ruin your life. <laughs> yeah. ha half of this movie is just like watching people do something that if you did it today would literally ruin your life forever. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> uh, 
that that's the only negative feeling i really got from this movie like i, I guess that and the not pc stuff it's like just sort of this like latent anger at like you know seeing like any positives from this time that have been like squelched by the very people who got to like reap the benefits of <laughs> like this time you know Anyway. It literally, like, every bit of this got turned into, like, a political weapon in the Nixon and Reagan administrations to use against poor people. Which yes. is really like, funny. Enough, that's what happened. <laughs> Just really funny because one of the Omega characters, his little freeze frame yeah. at the end, is he becomes a Nixon staffer and then goes to jail and then is subsequently raped in jail. Um, it explicitly says that. But <laughs> which was, that yeah. was was that Niedermeyer or was that that's Niedermeyer? Yeah, or no, Nieder- Niedermeyer is killed. No, he's uh, he's the Vietnam killed one. By his own man in Vietnam. That was Greg. Yeah, they do a great job of making the fancy fraternity so fucking creepy and, and weird. insufferable. <laughs> yeah, and there it's is uh, I think there's a, there's a healthy dose of uh, homophobia going on with that fraternity as well, and like the way they oh yeah they structure it, but. On top of that, they just are huge assholes. The whole time. Oh God, just the Dude, worst. I don't know why. Like just talking about like just the way that fraternity structured, like the creepy homophobia. I don't know why that made me think of this, but just the scenes of I, I guess like the sexual tension stuff going on in this fraternity too. All the scenes of Niedermeyer and his girlfriend, like going to the ridge and her oh, just having God. like plastic gloves on getting she, a hand job that was greg right <laughs> or is that greg who's which which i don't know they look the same greg and niederbart yeah because yeah, they both just look like, like nazis yeah identical <laughs> yeah just like hitler hitler youth hitler's, they're literally yeah. described as hitler's youth by the delta guys yeah they look like it yeah it's uh but dude that scene when like <laughs> It, so it is slowly revealed to you that she is jerking him off. <laughs> and then the scene ends with her taking the glove. Glove. <laughs> I <laughs> die. Oh my god. Yeah. So funny. When she's just like, is anything happening? My arm's getting tired. I was on her side in that scene until the glove. I was like, well, you know, maybe he just doesn't. <laughs> well, I think it's implied that that's his idea, though. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because that's what. There's the whole scene where she's talking to her uh, sorority sister, and she's like, have y'all done the dirty deed yet all the sorority girls are extremely southern for some reason yeah which is weird because i don't think they're like, in the south she says greg doesn't believe in premarital intercourse yeah yeah yeah. which is just i think oh, so the glove the, doesn't again, count then there's a pair exactly <laughs> the glove it's the condom of the hand dude <laughs> which uh, the southern sorority girls makes kind of sense because i think they're in tennessee because during oh, really? okay. during the either the IFC meeting or the parade, there's a Tennessee flag hanging. Like it's furled up, but it's you can see the color and then the circle with the stars kind of oh, folded yeah. over. Mm. So it's implied that they're in Tennessee. Gotcha. Um, it feels like a school in Tennessee. Kind I of mean, a, it, it sounds I like a school it. in Tennessee with the school motto just being "knowledge is good." <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge is good. That's what it's at the very beginning when they show the like school founder statue and it just says knowledge is good. That's funny. Uh, they filmed it at Oregon, right? I think so. 
I think that's. I think it was filmed at University of Oregon. Uh, I don't know why I know that. There was some kind of. I, I think they turned like something from the movie into a like historical preservation site or some shit. Oh shit! I should. I should go visit. I should go. Uh, hop on an Amtrak and visit. <laughs> go pay homage. I Make will. a pilgrimage to the to I, side of Amtrak. I would, House. but it's uh, yeah. still raining, so I'm not going outside this mm. year. <laughs> they were in Eugene. Yeah, that's where University of Oregon is. Yeah, which I, I, I learned that because there's a little fun fact here that the all of the, the black extras for the jazz club scene had mm-hmm. to be bussed in from Portland because there weren't enough black people in Eugene, oh, Oregon. No. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> uh. Uh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it literally says black extras had to be bussed in from Portland for the segment at the Dexter Lake Club due to their scarcity around Eugene. AKA My the God. site of a uh, college. <laughs> yes. My God. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> Oh man, that hey, that adds up with the movie itself because I I think the only black people in the movie are the band and the people at the club. Yeah, I don't think there's yep. any zero the students. The ones, well, no, I guess what was I, no, he wasn't black. He was was his name's what was his name? Muhammad at the very beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there like one Middle Eastern guy at the Omega. Yeah, I think there's an Indian guy too. Yeah. But they were also like only there for the joke, so I don't even know. Yeah. I don't think they thought too hard about it when they made this. Like, what was the actor even Middle Eastern? Who knows? Like, uh. it's a quick shot. Maybe it was just never mind. <laughs> the guy who plays Niedermeyer, um, I'm blanking on his name, is an incredibly good actor who like. Unfortunately, isn't in much outside of this. Um, He's very good at the crazy eyes. But he does play Niedermeyer again in the least likely of places. And that's in two Twisted Sister music videos. Uh, Most notably, We're Not Gonna Take It. He plays the dad who's just credited as Douglas C. And his name in the movie is Douglas C. Niedermeyer. And he has the same face, uses a lot of the same lines from the movie in the music video. And he's in one other one as well, I think. Really? Like, Kevin Bacon and... uh, Oh, Mark Metcalf. Uh, That's Doug Niedermeyer. Uh, Tom Hules and Kevin Bacon are really like the only two that I can think of that go on to do much else. And Karen Allen. Karen Allen yeah, also because she's oh, yeah. Karen Jones. Allen's in this movie as the most beautiful woman to ever live. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that is her role, I guess. I don't know. She's just like someone's girlfriend, I think. She's Boone's girlfriend. She's Boone, yeah. Who uh, smoking weed with the English professor, with and then oh, yeah. she ends up sleeping with the English professor. Yeah. Also, that I like how their ending is married, nineteen sixty four, divorced, nineteen. <laughs> that was very accurate. Yeah, because I was like, are they gonna have them get married? Because like she like just cheated on him. Yeah. <laughs> and no. And then, R.I.P. Uh, John Belushi, because my God, he is so fucking funny. He's very good. Like 
all of yeah. his stuff in SNL is great. He's fantastic in this movie. Every fraternity needs a sort of gremlin creature who just like scampers around <laughs> drinking whatever he finds. Yeah. The amount of times I used the gif of him chugging a bottle of Jack Daniels in the chemical engineering group text after every thermodynamics exam. Yeah. Man, his college shirt. Yes. <laughs> Just generic <laughs> college. Classic, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great physical slapstick actor for sure. Yes. Also, him at the very end, just like popping out of the tank car in a pirate outfit <laughs> to take on the like <laughs> take on the ROTC guys. Yeah, he's a slippery little gremlin man. He's just like bobbing and weaving. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Niedermeyer literally tries to shoot Flounder. Yes. <laughs> he tries, he tries to, to murder him. him. <laughs> he tries to fucking kid. Oh my god, his name is Kit. He tried to kid state Kit, dude. Oh my god. Did they do oh my that on god. <laughs> Probably. That happened before this, right? It was like early, it yeah. was late 60s, early yeah, 70s. Yeah, because this movie came out yeah. in 78. Oh man, I wonder, uh, if they, I wonder if they did that on purpose. You know, I guess you could you, you couldn't get away with anything back then. <laughs> 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 you could do whatever you wanted as long as you weren't uh, protesting any wars. <laughs> that was the one thing you can't. No, you, you really wars. could not do that. <laughs> I also forgot to mention this. I read this before we started watching it. Uh, just kind of speaking of the parade with everything going on. The Kennedy float in the parade says Camelot on the side. But this movie takes place before Kennedy was assassinated. And Camelot was not a term that was associated with Kennedy until post-assassination. Why did I think it was a, from a, one of his speeches? It, pro- I think it is, but it wasn't like... It wasn't attached to him in that way until mm. post-assassination. Like, his, oh his presidency became known as, like, Kennedy's Camelot. Oh, my God. Is there a Kennedy conspiracy embedded in this film? <laughs> 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 National Lampoon did JFK. Yeah, the, like, the pothead teacher, like, <laughs> killed him. <laughs> he, he actually, he's the one man to ever be driven insane from weed. <laughs> and he killed JFK and got the away. The teacher with was on the grassy knoll, dude. <laughs> oh, God. I can, so many of my teachers, I had remind me of that teacher so much of him just being like, please do the assignment. Like, this is my job. Please. <laughs> please give me I, I purpose. At tech, they just failed you. <laughs> goodbye don't don't talk to me swine Uh, i the most intimidating thing i've ever seen is my calc 2 professor at the time that i passed it i was there i was in class like a good boy and it was towards the end of the semester there's nobody there they're supposed this is like a 250 person lecture and there's like maybe 35 people in the room <laughs> people and have he just, given up <laughs> he, he just hands a blank sheet of paper to somebody in the front row says everybody sign the piece of paper and then you can leave <laughs> i was like oh, damn oh my god everybody else is <laughs> a fucked huh but i was there so i passed the class that time <laughs> 
Although, I, I don't know how, as a professor, that happens to you. Like, 200 people are missing from your class, and you don't, like, look inward at all. <laughs> that is fair. You're like, what's wrong with all these students not enjoying my incredibly riveting yeah. and informative lecture? <laughs> of the three calculus classes I took, including Calc 2 twice, I had zero good professors. So. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have many good professors at all in college. Most were yeah. mediocre. I had a few, like, good ones, but they were pretty, like, few and far between, honestly. Yeah. I, had some... I had much better professors at the much less prestigious school that I went to after. <laughs> because they were not just there to do research. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> they weren't in class because it was required for them to collect their checks. Yeah, the quality of the teaching at, yeah, the quality of the teaching at Georgia Tech is pretty grim. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, like I had some really good teachers within chemical engineering at Tennessee, but they weren't teachers that like I wanted to be friends with and smoke weed with necessarily, except for one. I actually had a beer with a couple of times because that's just what he did. He drank beer and graded our papers. My geography teacher, because I had to take random electives outside of my major, was that kind of person of just like. I ran into him at a bar and we like sat down, hung out, had a couple of drinks, like went to another bar together, like super cool guy, had a lot of fun. Like we were great friends through college after that, but none of my engineering professors were like that. They were all <laughs> either like to the books or research professors who had no desire to actually teach. You should be able to smoke weed with your English professor. That should be a law. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay enough attention to my English classes because I didn't care, so my professors didn't like me very much. <laughs> Dude, talk about, uh, like, it, nothing feels more like a like vestigial organ than the Georgia Tech English Department. <laughs> Man, <laughs> is that, they put you in, like, the worst building <laughs> on campus. Yeah, and... terrible building. I got a D in the English class I took at Tech because nobody cared and neither did i and now i'm a professional writer so <laughs> suck it, oh no nah, dude i i went hard <laughs> for all my like non-math and science classes because those were like the easiest ones to get a's in and i was like guaranteed to get a c in anything like math or computer science mm -hmm. so i was like i gotta go hard for like history wow. english like film 101 <laughs> like I got A's in those. <laughs> I should have, but I have an anxiety disorder. So well, you should have thought before you... <laughs> should have considered my mental health before going to Georgia Tech. Tennessee did a similar thing with their like early English classes, because there was like an English department building. Uh, but it was also like the multi-use building, so there were... You know, almost every classroom was filled with a non-English class. So all of the English, like 101 and 102 classes were in the animal health building on the ag campus, literally like across the train tracks as far as possible from the side somewhere. of campus that I'm supposed to be on. I had a one and a half mile walk between classes. Oh, my God. There was a bus that would take you there. But if you missed that bus, you were fucked. Jeez. <laughs> uh -huh. And I had my English professor when I was getting ready to take English 102 for the first time, look at me and say, well, if you're going to be consistently late for class, I suggest you leave your class before mine a little bit early. And I'm like, that is chemical engineering <laughs> 385. 
this is English 102. Fuck <laughs> you. I'm dropping your class. <laughs> I'm not leaving my chemi class early to come to English 102. I swear. So the absolute gall to just think your class is the <laughs> most important one. It's I. Yeah, like how how are all all these professors becoming professors without ever having been to school before? <laughs> like, uh, how do you not have any empathy for like these children, <laughs> these young men and women? It's crazy how like stratified and hierarchical colleges and then you get out in the real world and you're like everyone is just a guy including all my professors yeah they're just guys (laughs) all the stuff they say about like this like you can't turn in like late work in the real world is a lie you totally can you just have to be your boss just has to like you you just have to have a reason any reason (laughs) and it's fine (laughs) I mean, it depends what you do. If you're like a surgeon, you should probably be on time. But (laughs) if you have a fake computer job like me, then (laughs) it doesn't matter as much. Uh, Like 40 to 50 percent of the workforce has a fake email job where you can do whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even have to put on clothes to do my job. I could be completely nude the entire time and they would have no idea. And I wouldn't tell them. Will is completely naked right now. I'm just wearing a sweatshirt and nothing. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like the English professor. When you go into your kitchen and reach up to grab something, your bare <laughs> ass is just gonna show. I'm very cute like that. I'm very extremely twee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the on, on the inside, I am Zoe Deschanel in a too big shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You got something you want to tell us, but <laughs> just hang out in my apartment like that. <laughs> All right, have we waxed poetic about college long enough? I, think I, so. I believe so. I don't. I don't have anything else about National Lampoon's Animal House. Other than that, it's a it's a very fun movie that like is dated in a lot of ways. But I definitely wouldn't like tell you to pass it up because of that. It's it's good fun yeah it's funny you should still watch it yeah all right cool yeah, i'd recommend it it's good <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah like i'm just, I just want to say like one thing i guess just because like in the modern day of like cancel culture which is still a stupid fucking term um uh, i don't necessarily agree with like completely removing something like this there's a lot of things that should be completely removed from our society absolutely but something like this, I feel like you can still enjoy as long as you understand it is problematic and you're not watching it because you enjoy the problematic aspects of it. Yeah. The problem isn't old media. The problem is people that don't have an ounce of media literacy in their fucking body. Yeah. They still think that racist jokes from the 1970s should be okay because they're not. Yeah. Um. But they also don't make the rest of the movie around them not funny. You're allowed to watch Animal House. It's okay. You have permission from the Jump Cuts podcast. Yes. <laughs> really, the only seal of approval you should seek out for that. So. Exactly. You're welcome. I'm going to go to every video store with a Jump Cuts approved stamp and stamp every copy of Animal House they have. You could do that back in the 60s, but now... <laughs> <laughs> Now there aren't any video riddle stores, so you can't. 
No, there's still one in Atlanta. There's one. Yeah, we'll video drone. We're going right to house. video drone. We're coming to you to vandalize your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Because Kirby Smart told us to. That one's for my Georgia football heads. Kirby Fuck dumb. You, I'm happy for you. Uh, anyways, okay, we're really gonna stop now. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. New episodes every Thursday. Find us on all the stuff at Chub Cuts Pod Park at Summer Hour underscore Brewing on Instagram. Will on Twitter at Will Post Words and on YouTube at Will Johnston, where he may make a new video someday. Me on Twitter at Charlie V Posts. That's everything. Uh, it's Will's pick next week. He will pick a movie. We will tell you about it. All right, goodbye. Kirby Smash. <laughs> <laughs>